1: All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 103 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, going over some more hot stove you know, moves and analysis, but this time from a dynasty and prospect point of view, which is going to be a, a lot of fun. And with me to do so, of course, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud?
2: Oh man, not too much. It's uh, finally slowing down a little bit. There are transactions, and, and we finally have a little bit of grip on who's going where. I mean, it's kind of interesting that uh, Michael Conforto's still out there. Is there any I other know. big names left?
1: No, nah, it's really just him. I was like, yeah. when's he gonna sign? Like, th- does he realize it's uh, currently March twenty first? And slow, buddy. Season starts in like about sixteen days or something like that, and he's still like. He's probably staying in shape, but you gotta get in some game action here, bud. Yeah, you know are yeah, you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. So it kind of makes me wonder, like, what's
2: what's going on? Like, is he healthy? I, I don't know. It's gonna be who interesting. knows anymore. <laughs> yeah, you you never know. It's like out of the blue. It's like, oh, this person's not healthy. This person's not healthy. Yeah. Like,
1: out of the blue, we had a tatis. So we broke his wrist on a motorcycle two months ago or a month ago, whatever it was. Yep. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's that's fun. Nobody was even expecting that. <laughs> so. That's where we are. But. Man, there's so many big names that are going to start the year missing time. You know, probably Acuna, Tatis, Chris Sale. Uh, who are some others here? I know. Um, I was thinking of this earlier. There's like a few other like big names that are going to miss the start of the season. Or even if it's just uh, maybe, maybe Zach Wheeler, who knows. But yeah, it's a, it's a rough start here. But hopefully, I'm just glad we get a full season. We got a lot to talk about here tonight, obviously. But before we do so. Let's do the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Rotocleck. I am at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. If you join this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us, including Dynasty ADP. This is a, an awesome tool. Chris spearheaded this with help from Nathan. Uh, Dyna- you know him as Dynasty One Stop. He's also our podcast producer here at Fantrex. So... This has been a great thing. What do you have over 1800 names on this? Yeah, it's kind of nutty. The, so, the 30 team
2: leagues that roster 60, I guess, gets you 1800. So, there's over 1800 names. It's uh, kind of crazy. There's 18 leagues. So, you get a, a good balance, which yeah. is really nice. So, um, it's a pretty true ADP. I think 18 leagues is a, a really good number yep. um, to get to an ADP. So, for sure. Yeah, so, that's
1: list. If you sign up for our 50 grade tier, $5 a month, you get that plus extra. Content from both Chris and I, a lot of written work, stuff there. You get access to our Discord, which is a great place. We love all of our Patreon members, and Discord is always a fun place. Chat baseball, ask questions, whatever. Just chill. It's a fun time. Uh, and also, of course, check out all the other content we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit. I know there's still a couple weeks left of draft kit season, so get over there, check it over, all the stuff there before you head into your drafts. But let's get right into it, Chris. So we're going to do a kind of a similar hot stove analysis type of show here tonight. But with a, from a dynasty prospect perspective here, we'll start in the National League here. So all, all these moves, how are they affecting? Uh, this will be primarily prospects. Well, there'll be a couple young major leaguers in here as well. Not Gavin Lux. We're done talking about Gavin Lux. But let's start with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, recently signed Saya Suzuki to a five-year deal. So... People that might or maybe were thinking, oh, Brendan Davis will be up early this season. Maybe the ETA for him is a little delayed right now because it looks like they'll have Hap. Hap's going to be out there. Suzuki's going to be out there. And it's, they also got Rafael Ortega, who had a pretty strong showing in the second half of last year. They got Clint Frazier. They got Jason Hayward. Obviously, Frazier and Hayward aren't exactly the most uh, durable <laughs> of people around, just so to speak. And then Ortega is obviously very unproven as a 30-year-old breakout. I don't even know if I call that a breakout, but 30-year-old kind of showing up for the first-time player. So does this kind of – you think this pushes back the ETA, Chris? Maybe it's he's, he's more July-August now. What, what, what do you think for Quinn Frazier? Uh, for no, for uh, Brendan Davis?
2: Well, I was already kind of in that boat that he'd be later in the year. So this doesn't change much for me. Um, we'll see how the season goes. They, they definitely weren't going to bring him up right away, in my opinion. So – it definitely, I think it could open them. I mean, there's a ton of mouths to feed, but how many of those mouths are actually good? I mean, Suzuki, obviously, they're going to play. Ian Hap's probably locked in. But you have center field pretty wide open. Ortega may not stick. Strong chance of that. You have Nico Horner, who's going to get some reps out there because he's lost a spot in the infield. Um, you're going to have Clint Frazier. Not really sure he sticks either. They could DFA him really easily. Jason Hayward. I don't even know how much time's left on his contract, but they could <laughs> cut him free maybe. Let's see. He's a free agent in 2024, so he still has two more years. My um, word, that that
1: deal is, is never – I feel like they signed him 15 years ago.
2: Yep. So Suzuki's going to be the everyday right fielder, half and left. So that center field spot's kind of wide open. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Davis is the heir apparent in center field, but I don't think it's imminent. I think it's probably – mid-season at best personally so yeah it it does affect him but I'm not sure it delayed it all that
1: much yeah and just in general you know I'm not sure if if you're quite as much of a sell high as I am but it's funny I was looking at the set that I actually thought of it when I was uh, on the AL auction tout live stream on zoom with Tim McLeod and Dylan Carlson got picked and I'm getting very similar. I'm not saying I'm comparing the two, but just the way I thought about Dylan Carlson when he was kind of at this point, Triple A debut was imminent, where I was kind of like, I was like, all right, this this looks like a good player. Doesn't look like a great player. Doesn't look like a star player. I'm starting to get a lot of those vibes from Brendan Davis. Like, double A last year, contact rate was below, I think it was like 63.5%. K rate was up. Both of those got better at Triple A end of the season, but I'm just not sure if Davis is going to be like the star everyone kind of thinks he's going to be. I think he's going to be 260 265 25 home runs and 8 to 10 steals. That's good, but I think that would be a little bit under expectations, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a fair statement. Um it's tough. I think there's a lot of swing and miss that needs to be resolved, but he's so young. It's not crazy to think that he could fix that. So, um we'll see how it plays out, but um am Kind of avoiding or selling high if I can, not to say he's not a good player, but I do think that he's being very highly thought of right now, and you get a lot in return. And I'm wondering if it's peak value right now.
1: It might be. like, This is one of those three prime, you know, situations where I've you know said to sell high in a prospect right right before their debut and their hype is the hot one of the highest it could be. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not saying get rid of him, but. You know, maybe throw them on the block, throw a message out to your leak mates, whatever you want to do, and just see what you get. You you might be uh maybe surprised, maybe you might get a great offer here. But moving over to another NL Central team here with the Cincinnati Reds, they've been pretty busy this offseason, chipping off pieces here. Uh, so in, in their deals to send, you know, guys like Jesse Winker and A. Eugenio Suarez to Seattle, plus Sony Gray to Minnesota. They got a couple of pretty intriguing pitching prospects in Brendan Williamson from Seattle and Chase Petty from Minnesota. And they also got Jake Freely and Justin Dunn in that deal from Seattle as well, which at the surface, I'm probably I'm sure that Cincinnati fans aren't happy with that deal or or either of the deals probably, but there is some intrigue here. Now we've talked to Williamson and Petty before, you know, and Jake Freely is someone that I kind of like for this year. He he might start. I was just kind of looking at their their depth chart and just like their roster in general. Obviously, that outfield is pretty shaky right now. For what it's worth, roster Resource has Naquin and right, Senzel in center, and Jake Fraley and left, not in a platoon. And they still have Shoko Akiyama and our RCD's Aquino. But I think we the writing's on the wall with those two, I'm pretty sure, at this point. So I wonder if they give Fraley a shot. And he had like nine home runs and ten steals or something like that. And I think it was two hundred and something plate appearances last year. It always was a decent little power speed blend so are you at all intrigued by fraley in deeper leagues or, or even as, as a dynasty by low
2: yeah and hopefully uh and i don't think anybody to this in my current dc but i'm definitely planning to scoop him up sooner in adp i think his adp is like 550 i'm gonna jump around 400 because he's go- going to an amazing ballpark yeah and he's gonna play he went he hit nine home runs in a poor hitters park last year and stole 10 bases in 12 attempts at that, the contact actually suggests that his bagging average was really low. I mean, 81.3% zone contact, 74% overall contact is is okay. He doesn't chase at all. 21.4% O-swing is really, really good. I mean, the ground ball, line drive, and fly ball distribution is really good, and 18% home run to fly ball rate. Moving to Great American Ballpark, that could jump to 25% pretty easily. I think we're looking at a potential 2020 guy here that's really, really sneaky. You look; he had a lot going against him last year. The Babbitt went was it 265.
0: Yeah, it was pretty low. Well.
2: Yeah. Yep, I highly expect that to come up. So, I'm I'm not counting out a 250 2020 season here in Jake Fraley, which is really what you're hoping to get after Trent Grisham, and he's going around pick
1: 130. So yeah, somebody you can get three, four hundred picks later.
2: Yeah, and after I after I take this pick, I'm gonna make the comparison on Twitter. It, I, that literally just <laughs> hit me. Actually, like as I was looking at the profile, I'm like, hmm, in the ballpark. I, I mean, Trent Grisham's a better player overall, but in this ballpark for fantasy context, Jake Fraley is super super interesting. So I am certainly buying in. And when I saw when you when I saw you put him on the show sheet, I was really really happy because he's uh, <laughs> he's really popped in everything that I've seen because of the move to Cincinnati. And we're looking at projections that are not even projecting him to play full time. And still like, all right, so zips uh DC, using the depth charts, fangrafts projections has him at 462 plate appearances. That's not full time, and they have him go in 17, 16. So I, I don't see why he can't play every day. Who else is gonna play? There's no one coming in the pipeline that's that's nope. ready to play in the outfield. Nobody in that lineup's really gonna take his spot. And that ballpark is an incredible hitter's park. I think he's going to feast and surprise everybody. So, I'm really excited about Jake Fraley. That this move certainly boosts his value a lot for me.
1: I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I I I've, I've always been a Jake Fraley guy in general. You know, after he uh, went over had a stand over in Australia, uh, yeah, it was Australia back in like 2017-2018 winter, he came back and hit 347 in high A in 66 games in 2018. And then 2019 is when the real breakout happened. 298, 365, 545, 19 home runs, and 22 steals in just 99 games between double-A AA and triple-A. You know, he's always had a you know a decent enough approach. In the neutral park, I kind of had him pegged as a, you know, like a mid-teens homer guy, got it around 20 steals, but with Cincinnati, great American ballpark, we've seen how it helps, especially lefties. So definitely, could. I 100% agree. You give him 550 plate appearances or something like that, you could see 2020 with a decent enough average in OBP as well. Maybe, you know, run production might not be totally great. He'll probably hit low in that lineup, especially the start of the season. But, you know, you can't scoff at a 15-plus, 15 15-plus 15 type of guy going as late as he is. And the dynasty, definitely a buy low because if he hits well, like his price right now is pretty dirt cheap. So, and if he hits well, sticks as a starter – you got a nice return on investment there. So
2: I bet he's on most waiver wires in dynasty. Oh, if probably in like a, in like a Uber deep dynasty league. There ain't no way he's not on your waiver wire. So right. Exactly. It's a, it's an easy buy right now. And how does this affect the pitch? Like they've traded a lot of pitching out. Like can Williamson see some time? I mean, Petties we know a way away, but they've got several guys on the cusp now of, of cracking this rotation and a lot of talent. Like, you know, they traded some talented arms, and they're still going to have Castillo and Molly according to the GM. They plan to keep those guys, which I really hate for fantasy. But that's another <laughs> story. Right now, their SPs three through five are Mike Miner, Vladimir Gutierrez, and Justin Dunn, and that just doesn't really seem like that's going to stick wow. when they've got three guys and Brandon Williamson and Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green all waiting in the, in the wings, ready to go, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and listen, they also have Petty and Graham Ashcraft. They they get a really good crop of pitching prospects right now with three of them likely to debut this year and two of them pretty early i think you can see double digit starts out of both uh lodolo and green especially green uh you had that tweet out there you know a week or so ago i definitely agree with you know at, for the other two though with williamson and petty obviously Petty's much further away than williamson did this kind of change your opinion or change your your long-term outlook on either of these two guys going to this ballpark, which has always been very hitter friendly. It's called great American Small Park for a reason. That's right. Yeah. So did that kind of change how you think of these guys? Because you know, last year, and Williamson isn't an extreme flyball guy, but his flyball rate did go up to 46.5% at double A. So you get a wonder. I think he'll still be fine. I might I might drop him slightly, but it won't be more than you know 10 to 15 spots in my overall. But Definitely didn't like them going to this park. Yeah, it's not obviously never ideal for a
2: pitcher to to come here, and I'm a little bit worried about Green because the fastball when he's not located up in the zone, he does allow some home runs with it. He did pitch today, I'm um, in a spring training outing, and he looked good. He struck out two in one inning, I allowed one hit. The fastball at 101 is. You know, as you expect, nothing new. He struck out, and but the thing was, the fastball didn't look as flat, and that's kind of always been his thing: is that fat (laughs) fastball. Wow, that fat, (laughs) terrible tongue twister. And you can get a. I'm gonna leave this in just so everybody can get a good laugh about the flat (laughs) fastball that he has. It it was tailing a little bit more, a little bit more movement. It looked. I don't have anything to confirm because they were not in Savant Park today; they were in Sloan Park which does not have the Savant integrations, which it probably does, just not on baseball Savant. So I can't confirm, but just watching the video of him, it looked like it was getting a little more movement, which I do like overall. So I think he's ready. Uh, David Bell was quoted saying today, he looks like he's belo- he belongs here. More importantly, he felt that too. Having that confidence that you belong is really helpful. So we could see Green sooner than later. I've been in the camp that, and the tweet that Eric's referring to last week, was that Green's going to make five to seven more starts than Lodolo. And I think that still rings true. Everybody thinks is going to get more, but he, Green's seen a lot more innings in A than Lodolo. And Green threw a lot more innings last year in general. So I don't see why we don't see him sooner. So, yeah, go back to what we were saying. We I am slightly concerned about the pitchers in that ballpark. But we'll see how it plays out. But overall um, – they're still great values, I think.
1: And they've still got a, a good core there. They're building around. It could be really, really good. For sure. All right. A couple more teams. We, we have more on the AL, which we'll get to after the break here, but the last two here in the national league, the Los Angeles, we'll kind of group these two together too. Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman. Obviously everyone knows that. And the Philadelphia Phillies have signed all these good hitters that can't really play defense types. That's going to be a lot of, a lot of slug fest there in the city of brotherly love, but Sending Cassianos to a five-year deal, Kyle Schrober to a four-year deal. Is when you look at these two teams after the signings that they've done with you know them all being four, five or six years, is there anybody that immediately pops out to you Chris or like man, this guy's affected. Anybody pop out to you?
2: You know, their their systems not really deep enough to have a lot of effect. How they fill this lineup out is going to be interesting. I'm assuming Schwarber DHs. I, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> they, have Casti-
1: like four D- they have like four DHs.
2: Yeah, I mean, Castellano's probably best suited as a DH. He's likely going to have to play in the field. Uh, that kind of throws things for a wrench a little bit. I mean, you have Odubel Herrera out there in center, but they're like one move away from really changing this whole dynamic very quickly, which is interesting. Uh, the initial thought was maybe Bohm loses time, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think Bryson Stott's effect. I think he's the first one we see. But you, you only have Didi ahead of him. I mean, Stott's a true stort, true, true, shortstop. <laughs> Gosh, I am getting all tongue-tied today.
1: A lot, a lot of tongue twisters for you tonight, I, Chris. I
2: know. It's a struggle bus. But, yeah, Stott will be up. <laughs> he's a true sh- shortstop. And I'm not really worried about Didi blocking him. When stopped ready, he's going to be up. I think he's ready now, but I, I'm not sure they're going to do that. But we'll see. So, yeah, the interesting thing is that this field lineup is going to be terrible. The, the lineup is good in general from the bats, but this certainly worries me from a pitching standpoint. Of like Aaron Nola, like right. he he relies on ground balls, and while the infield may not be the best, I mean it's not terrible, but at least the outfield that's that's a rough rough crew out there, especially with Castanos. If Sorbara has to play the field, then man uh they could be in trouble but Sorwick can play first base too which helps at least you kind of mask some of that but overall if they had a deeper system then maybe but i feel like this is why they did this is because they they don't have these guys on the way
1: right yeah like everybody that they have is that's near and ha- that's notable doesn't really play a position that they you know were affected by by these signings so yeah i don't think it affects anybody there the Dodgers, maybe, I don't know, maybe you got Freeman at first. Does that shift, you know, somebody else over to third, and then there's a block Miguel Vargas a little bit? That's the only thing I can really think of for the Dodgers. Well, um, maybe, Muncie, maybe a Michael Bush. Yeah, Muncie know.
2: played third today, so that's right. worth noting. Who plays second? Uh, I don't really know. I assume Muncie would play second and JT play third, but Muncie is getting some work at third. I guess, you know, JT can't stay healthy, so – I guess that is a little concern for him is that if he doesn't stay healthy, then they need someone that can play over there, which uh, definitely helps them out. They have a lot of versatility. Uh, They do have the prospect depth, unlike the Phillies. So there are a few more concerns here, but this is what the Dodgers do best and why it's hard to really buy into these prospects in the Dodgers system is because they just go out and buy who they want to. They're going to get the best players. So you've got Mookie for the foreseeable future. You've got Freddie for the foreseeable future. I would say there's a strong chance they lock Trey up for the foreseeable future.
1: It'd be smart to, and they have the money. Obviously, they have the money to do so.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Muncie is, we'll see when his contract expires. Um, well, he should be, okay, so he's got a club option next season that, that they're certain to pick up, most likely. It's just like no one's leaving this lineup unless there's a trade. Justin Turner, he – pretty sure they picked him up. There's a 2023 vesting option, so they may play around with that where they may try to keep him under a certain amount of at pats so they don't have to vest him. But any prospect that was going to be ready soon is kind of on the outs, unfortunately. I don't really know how it all shakes, but it isn't good for the older prospects that are ready. We've exhausted Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux needs to be traded out of Los Angeles. He needs to go on somewhere else where he can actually get some reps. He doesn't need to sit on the bench in Los Angeles. That's one thing that's clear.
1: And I got to um, wonder, too, like, do obviously bring in Freeman was the right call. You, you do that. If you have a chance to sign a Freddie Freeman, you do it. Right. But just kind of the side effect of it. Like, I wonder if they just don't have confidence in Gavin Lux. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, seem like it. he was a top 10, top five prospect nearly universally a couple years ago with a lot of talent, a lot of success in the upper minors, do they just not have confidence in him? Like, you think they would have at least given him a shot, whether it's a second, short, outfield, whatever, some sort of shot. And some say, okay, they kind of did give him a, these brief stints, but not really. It was like maybe a few weeks here, a few weeks there, or whatever, like a prolonged stint. So maybe they just don't think highly of that. Maybe we thought too highly of him coming up. Maybe that's Maybe that's the case. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of crazy to think, like, Looking at you know how good he was that season, man. It's just mm. it's hard to think. And like, was it a fluke? I certainly hope not. But dang, man, it it's just not not feeling great right now, man. He would be a great fit in, in Cincinnati. That would be awesome. I know India's is at, at second base, but maybe uh, Lux could play a little shortstop. I don't know. It's uh they could they could use another starter because right now. The Dodgers are going to be piggybacking starters for about every spot, it seems like, except really that that top end of that rotation. So they're going to piggyback like their, their fourth and fifth and maybe even sixth slot, which could be interesting. So Lux needs to be traded. Mikel Vargas is highly underrated. So I think he's, oh, 100%. he's so dang good. And people don't really understand that there was a report this offseason that the Dodgers uh, player, or director of player development said that he was the best prospect he had ever seen. He said he could be the best prospect in baseball. Think about all the good prospects that have come through that system. It is silly what kind of talent has come through there year over year. That speaks very highly of Miguel Vargas, and right now, he's at a spot. I think he's ready. He's only 22 years old, but I do think he's ready, and he's versatile, at least, which is nice. He can play third, second, first, so maybe he's the heir apparent at third base. I hope that's kind of what happens for dynasty purposes. Is they let uh, that Turner doesn't hit that vesting option, and Vargas takes over at third base next season because I I do think he's ready. But man, they're just they're so deep. Uh, like everywhere you look <laughs> at these guys they've got in the system, it's like man, you just really wish that they could get a shot. But I do think for the most part, a couple of these guys are several years away. Though I could argue that Bush is ready, and I could argue. That Miguel Vargas is ready as well. But we'll just have to let those shake out for now. Right now, there's no spot. I would love to see Bush traded. I'd love, I'd love to see McKinstry traded. I'd love to see Lux traded. But those don't seem like a real possibility right now. So, unfortunately, those guys may see a little dip in value for the, the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I, I am very much in on Miguel Vargas. and I'm i right there with you. I hope he is the heir apparent over there at third because he's just hit everywhere. 2018 between rookie and low A hit 330 and 229 plate appearances. 29, low A and high A hit 308 in 559 plate appearances. In 2021 between high A and double A, 319 in 542 plate appearances with 27 doubles, 23 home runs, 11 steals, was caught once, uh, and a you know 380 OBP, 526 slug, get a 79.6 percent contact rate in high A about 82 and a half percent in double a this guy can hit he's a i'd say you could say he's a plus hitter with above average power and around average speed i think he's like a 280 plus type of hitter low to mid-20s home runs and a guy that's at least five steals maybe he flirts with double digits every now and then so very underrated very good hitter he's been, he's been young for all these levels as well like he was 18 in 2018 uh, when he got up to low a which is young for the level he was nineteen in twenty nineteen at low and high A, young for both levels, and he was twenty one last year. So it's not like he's been an older guy. He still he just turned twenty two uh, back in mid November. So he'll be twenty two for this entire season at double A AA and triple A, maybe even up to the majors at some point. We'll see. But yeah, definitely very much in Vargas He is a very good hitter that does not get that the, the a love and respect he deserves in fantasy circles. That is for sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into the America League. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
0: We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this.
1: all right welcome back from the break let's hop over to the america league now a lot more stuff to talk about here on the the prospect dynasty side of things following the last week or so of hot stove moves let's start out in oakland oakland was you know outside of you know actually they might have been the most active team over the last week or 10 days or so trading away anybody and everybody that's not named montas and Shamania, though they could be on move as well so they might even be adding more, but they've already added a slew of prospects here. So they made was it three different deals here. The first one was sending Chris Bassett to the New York Mets and got back JT Ginn and another prospect, uh, Adam Aller, who's not fantasy relevant. JT Ginn is. And then they sent to Toronto Matt Chapman, got back Gunnar Hoagland, Kevin Smith, and two more prospects that are not fantasy relevant either. And then the at the last one, Matt Olsen going to Chris's Atlanta Braves in exchange for Christian Pache, Shaylen Galiers, Joey Estes, and Ryan Cusick. Man, Chris, this is a uh, it's a lot of a lot of prospects here to break down. I don't think there's many that Oakland fans are gonna be super excited about. Like a lot of these guys are better, like you know, they're good real life assets. Like Shaylen Galiers. he's going. He's a very good defensive catcher, Gold Glove caliber, has some pop. He's kind of progress a little bit with the back but he's not super sexy for fantasy Pache, everyone is kind of you know looking the other way with Christian Pache at this point uh so but there are some sneaky good guys here like Kevin Smith you know he's one that let's, let's start with him because him him and Pache are the two that have the most immediate impact here because who's left to start out there in Oakland in that in that lineup it's it's not a lot you got uh L'Oriano, you have Loriano back in like uh, what Twenty whatever games into the season, if they don't trade him, you got Sean Murphy's there for now. Then it's a bunch of you know Tony Camp, Elvis Andrews, Stephen Biscotti, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. So you could see Kevin Smith start at probably would be third base where he's played some in the minor leagues, and then Pache could be the starting center fielder or opening day. So are uh, you are you intrigued at all by this move for uh, Pache and Smith long term? Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun
2: here that's going to happen. This deal, Pache. I, I'm really sad the Braves traded him. He came into camp
1: jacked, like he, he looked, did. He looked good.
2: Yeah, I saw that, yes. that picture of him and Acuna. He looked like a different player, a different yeah. person. Obviously, didn't get to see him play in game action, but that's that's okay. uh He should slot in the center field there. He's elite in the field, which helps him get reps. He was just, I mean, the Braves really, I think, did him a disservice by um, bringing him up so young. And he he kind of fell behind developmentally. I think that he's ready now, so I'm not overly worried. I think he slots in and is is ready to go now for for this Oakland A's organization. And there's a lot of fallout that's that has a lot of fantasy value, too, because Pache probably starts right off the bat. So in deeper redraft leagues, he's intriguing. I think he's a super buy low in dynasty leagues because we haven't seen him hit the ball. I mean, most are concerned about the hit tool, but... Um, and this goes back to a year ago, but talking, we talked with Jeff Ponce about him and he was very intrigued by his hit tool and thought that it was better than advertised, like at least average hit with average power. He also has plus speed and he's not the best base runner, but Oakland likes to run and maybe they can work on that with him. He's not efficient at all, which is surprising (laughs) for how fast he is. Right. I mean, since 2019, he actually is a negative in a stolen base. Like, to, to net stolen bases at least. So 2019, he attempted. Uh, so he got called stolen eleven times and stole eight bases. So minus three there. Last year in AAA, he did steal nine and only got caught seven times. But overall, that's a, that's a like a net negative for those two seasons, which is kind of cons- like he just.
1: I don't get that. The speed is there, no question.
2: And there's first 22-
1: first career is 59.8%. By the way, yeah,
2: yeah, and and that's having a year where he stole 32 bases and only got caught 14 times. So that's really inflated. You take out that and he's easily below 50%. Yep. But he's a potential 2020 upside. He has been stalled out in the minors, but I see a chance for him to play. Kevin Smith though, is the one that really intrigues me here for especially like deep redraft leagues and definitely dynasty because he was not going to play at all anytime soon in Toronto. Nope. He was completely <laughs> blocked out in that infield. Is so, so good, but he's going to get a fresh chance to start now. And he's got an intriguing power speed blend too, which I like. And the thing is, those are hard to find late. Yeah, and Smith, he's 25 years old. He has two minor league options, but I don't see them using that. I think that we've seen him more than ready. He had a small cup of coffee with Toronto last year, but in A last season, he hit 285, had a 370 OBP, 21 homers, 18 stolen bases, and just 410 plate appearances. So there is a lot to like here. Obviously, it's a slight ballpark downgrade from a home run standpoint, which does affect these guys with fringe power like he and Pache, but the playing time is what really, really matters here. They're going to get that, and I'm really encouraged for both of these guys. I like the moves a lot from those two, especially for this year.
1: Yeah, as do I. It's definitely a net positive in terms of their dynasty value for both, and even again for this year, they're probably hit, both hit lower in that order still. Ross Rizzo has them projected to hit eighth and ninth, so take that for what it's worth. But with with I'll go. I'll will talk about Smith here first. Like I saw Smith in Double A uh, during his atrocious year. That was twenty nineteen slash two hundred nine, two sixty three, four hundred two. In 116 games. He did have 19 home runs, 11 steals. That was nice. But 29 walks to 151 strikeouts. That's that's not good. And that's coming off right after his breakout 2018 season. Where he hit 302, 358, 528 between low a and high A. With 31 doubles, 25 home runs, and 29 steals. When he's only caught six times. He was a little old, I think, for the level that year. But... I don't think anybody has been so up and down in my rankings. I'm pretty sure early 2019, actually, I could probably pull I have a ma I have a massive spreadsheet with so many tabs on it. So I could probably find it. But I know that Kevin Smith was easily top 50 for me. I think he was around 31, like the low 30s in my rankings overall. Like I was all in. I was like, oh, that power speed is there. The, the hit tool seems pretty solid, even though the walk rate's a little lower. And then he just plummeted. Like I saw him. A few times, I probably say I saw him five, six, seven times uh, in in twenty nineteen between going to New Hampshire where he was playing, and then I'm coming here to Portland, Maine. You know, they we faced New Hampshire a ton, so I saw him a good amount, multiple different series throughout the year. Some in May, some in June, some in August. So, and he was just bad entire year. So, I still see that, and I, I wonder is is he a long term starter? He'll be now because they don't have anybody right now. And they've never been in a team to spend money and they don't have any top prospect. That's really close. Right. So, you know, their top guys are all like Soderstrom. And then this, all their moves affect Soderstrom as well. You know, he, he is quote unquote, a catcher. He's also got like, a little bit of time at first base, but maybe they still deal Murphy, but still Languiers will be their catcher long term. If they deal Murphy, they get Langoliers great defensive catcher. He will stay there. So I don't know if Soderstrom, we wouldn't get any, time at catcher in the major leagues, or is he a first baseman long-term or maybe even a corner outfielder? We'll see probably first base, but that doesn't affect his value at all. But just, you know, if you're you're hoping for him to be your long-term dynasty catcher, you can probably get that out of your mind right now. But, and over to Pache now, I I still think you can see five hit, five power, five speed. It's not sexy, but you can see a guy that hits 260 with – 15 and 15 or maybe even a little more if he if oakland corrects his base running woes there because he has a speed you know i might even be a little bit low on that speed but that's still a fantasy relevant player and his defense will give him a longer leash as he tries to figure it out because he'll still be providing that value and they don't have anybody else to take a spot like who's in their bench sky bolt nope billy mckinney nope Uh, Sheldon Noose. nope. Yeah, so nobody's going to take his spot. They don't have anybody, you know, Larry Adam will be back, but he'll probably take, you know, they got Pinder and Piscotti, penciled in the corner. So I assume they'll probably have him take one of those spots and keep Pasha in the lineup and see what they got with him. So yeah, I think it's definitely a net positive here. I think Smith could be a 15-15 guy as well. I, I just, I still have concerns about the hit tool. Yeah, he hit 285 last year, but Buffalo is a, extreme hitters park we saw Vlad had like a 1200 slug there or something like that so extreme hitters park so take those numbers the greatest of salt but I do think he can be a solid little power speed lend 15 to 20 home runs 10 to 15 still type of guy I still think he's hit for a high average but yeah definitely a, a net positive here for them and then over to the pitchers now you know Gunnar Hoagland's a guy Chris that we've talked about a few times on this show, especially in our FYPD episodes. I freaking love this move for Gunnar Hoagland and JT Ginn and Joey Estes and, you know, Ryan Cusick a little bit, but really Hoagland, Ginn and Estes here. Definite bump for them, especially Hoagland. Like, Hoagland is what I'm most excited about. I think we're in agreement. That he can really shoot up rankings once he's back on the mound later this year. Now we'll have Oakland, the spacious ballpark to call home definitely a huge uh, boost to his value for sure. Yeah. No, I think it's a boost for all
2: the pitchers. I love again a lot. Um, he's should have a more regular season. He was injured, obviously coming back from that last year. So him Hoagland, he'll be coming back from Tommy John at some point this year, but I love having that behind both these guys. He's both those guys. I love his by lows and Estes is maybe a buy high where he had a great season's going to a great ballpark. So These are great moves. Cusick, I do think, is a bullpen-type guy who they could bring up when they need. They may try to develop him as a starter, but I do see his future in the bullpen. But this is a boost for all these pitchers. You move to an excellent, excellent ballpark to pitch in, and they are all very, very solid. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to these guys seeing how they can do in Oakland. And when they debut, I think it's going to be a big win for them.
1: Yeah, and is the one definitely to buy high on. As a 19-year-old last year in low A, he had a 2.91 ERA, 0.96 whip, 7.3% walk rate, and a 32.1% strikeout rate. 6-2, I think he still gets a room to fill out. Good four-pitch mix. Could have three above-average offerings there. He's probably, he could be a, a nice number three starter with a little up, upside for more in that ballpark for sure. Kuzik, he's probably a bullpen arm, but he could be a solid one. Maybe a guy that pitches in the 7th or 8th inning. Good good fastball-curveball mix. Uh, so that's it's really a pen arm, but don't completely write him off. I think there's still a chance he could start. We'll see how Oakland wants to use him. But Shaylen Langoliers, too. Like I've never been a huge Langoliers guy, but again, the glove will keep him in the lineup once he gets up there. He's, he could be up later this year, but definitely you know early 2023, he'll be up there. And he got up to AAA last year overall between AA and AAA, mostly at AA, 256, 339, 494, 22 home runs, and a 238 ISO and just 384 plate appearances. So maybe he's a 250-ish hitter, 240, 250, 15 to 18 home runs. You know, that's that'll play as the second catcher. Now you know, I've, I've drafted worse. I'll tell you that right now. So <laughs> I think we all have drafted worse than that as our second catcher and two catcher format. I don't think I'll ever be a, a starting catcher in, in solo catcher leagues, but definitely it could be a solid C2 uh, long-term. So yeah, definitely. There's a lot of pieces there. Oakland fans, I know it sucks to be where you are, obviously, but you know, some of these guys could turn into some pretty good pieces for you. So just be patient, wait it out, and see how it goes. So that's all I can really say right now. Uh, sticking in the American League West, Houston Astros, they didn't really, you know, bring anybody in, so to speak. But with Carlos Correa gone, does that open up the door here for Jeremy Pena? I, Everyone I talk to raves about Jeremy Pena. And I've been – I'm a fan of Pena, too. He's a University of Maine guy. We don't get many of those up here. So, you got to – I got a poll for the University of Maine guy. And when I was down – you know, Jeff Ponce has raved about him as well. I think Jeff Ponce has him in every one of his leagues this year, from the looks of his uh his Twitter account there. But Pena's is a dude. Like I think I might be under ranking him. Yeah, he is already twenty four, but he has just showed everywhere in the minor leagues: seven hundred and eighty nine plate appearances, two ninety one, three seventy one, four forty four slash eighteen home runs, twenty nine steals. The power has come along. He had. Uh, what was it last year? 10 home runs and his 160 player appearances last year, the 297, 363, 579 slash line. Uh, most of that in AAA. So it looks like he could be their starting shortstop opening day, or maybe shortly thereafter. They did get Nico Goodrum. Maybe he's just a quick stop gap for Pena, but I think you're going to see the majority of the shortstop time this year, go to Pena and he could be a pretty solid like, above average offensive shortstop. So uh, I'm definitely in on, on Jeremy Pena. What are your thoughts on him, Chris?
2: Yep, he's uh, he's pretty jacked, and that's a uh, a big stride for him coming into this season. So I'm uh, I'm on board with him. I think he's a great late round play. I think he's per- perennially underrated in prospect circles, and I think he can be a really solid player that is not going to cost you much at all. So sign me up for that because he's going cheap and hitting that lineup is something to be you know spoken of he's gonna yep. score a lot of runs he may drive in a lot of runs I think he's a lot better than people think, so he's a sneaky good pick this late so I'm all on board with jeremy Pena
1: yeah he's a, and he's a right handed hitter too so Yep. gotta love that a lot a lot of a lot of positivity there on that profile so definitely in in dynasty too like I don't think the his value has really caught up yet so definitely. Try to get him now because I think you, you fast forward mid-season, end of season, next spring. I think his value is definitely going to be a, a significant amount higher than it is now. So good late-round guy for redraft, for deeper leagues. Great dynasty buy right now for sure. Moving on here, Detroit. They said that they're not going to hold back Riley Green and Spencer Torkosan. Thank God. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that teams are starting to go this way. And does that mean they're up opening day? No, there's no guarantee of that. But all implications are that they're going to be up early on. Maybe it's late April, early May. At the late, I think they're both out by the end of May at the absolute latest. So with the, those things said, Chris, and what Detroit's kind of been saying over the last few days, are you maybe a little more confident in taking a green or a, a torque and redraft? Or, or are you still kind of letting other people go and get those guys?
2: Uh, it depends on how high they
1: go, because those words
2: normally cause people to just go bonkers about them. Depends yeah. the talent levels there. And everybody wants a new shiny toy that's going to break out. So I think it just depends where their value falls. Right now, at their current ADPs, like, I'll take them. Uh, but I am not sure I'll go too high on them. And it'll be interesting to see, like, where they end up, especially if they hit well in camp and the word is they're going to be starting. Then we'll see. But for now, it depends on the cost. I'll leave it at that, which seems like a you know
1: cop-out answer. But that, that's where I'm at on them. No, that that's definitely a, a fair answer, and I, I know we've we talked about these guys before. But so, if you had to take one this year, Chris, so let's look at the ADP. So, Torque is in the you know two hundred and fifty ish range. Green is in the three hundred range. So, roughly forty to fifty. Fix later. Would you rather have Torque or would you rather have Green for this year? Mm, probably Green. I agree.
2: Yeah, I think I think Torque's skill set's more replaceable, and Green. While there is more swing and miss, there's more power speed. So I like the power speed blend, which you don't get with everybody. So I'd lean that way.
1: I agree. Yeah. And green, green had a nice opposite field home run the other day too. That was yeah. really good. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think either of those prices are egregious, but huh. yeah, I definitely would, I would rather go green a good, you know, 40, 50 later on 300. Because you look at some of the people in like green's range, not a lot of, players that I'm really intrigued, but there's a lot of outfielders in that range. It's like you got Luis Arias. Who knows how much he starts? And obviously he's just mostly average. Lamonte Wade Jr. Might be in a platoon. Jeff McNeil, who knows if he's going to play. I still like him. Rafael Ortega. It's like a lot of, you look up, uh, let's see, it's a lot of outfielders in general. The next outfielders are like 20 picks ahead. where It's like Mikey Skramski, Will Myers, Max Kepler. I could totally see him green up producing them. So I'm actually, I do have a couple of shares of green this year, so I don't have any of torque yet, but yeah, I, I f- feel a little more confident taking one of these two guys now than I did before, but definitely would go green for me as well. Sticking in the C- AL Central here, Minnesota obviously has been, uh, they've been on the making so many moves here, a lot of interesting moves for them, but really beefing up that lineup especially. They did add Sony Gray as well, but a lot of moving parts in and out of that lineup. So now you got to wonder, They've brought in uh, their new starting shortstop, will obviously, would be Carlos Correa, who signed a three year, $105.3 million deal, which equates that to 35.1 average annual value, which is 0.1 million or 100,000 more than the former highest paid infielder in baseball history, Anthony Rendon. That had to be in the back of Correa's mind there. He's like, <laughs> hey, make it make it 105.3. So I'm, I'm right. 0.1. You know, you know Correa and his agent and were working on that for sure. But with him there, and then I'll push Gio Rochelle, who they've got from the Yankees, who was going to be their shortstop. Now he's going to probably be back over to third base. They got Jorge Polanco at second base, Sano at first. Where does Jose Miranda play? I think there was some excitement following the first couple of deals. But Texas and the Yankees are like, all right, Miranda could play at third and or a DH or whatever, and we'll see him early in the year. Now maybe not, but luckily he's played third, second, and first, so he's probably the next guy up. But where do you think this? Where do you think? I know it's kind of a hard question to answer, but how do you think he fits into the Twins' plans long term? You think he's second base, third base? What do you think?
2: Uh, it's hard to say, and you know, maybe, maybe here's the maybe the best case scenario is if Correa has a huge year, he has an opt out for every season, right? I
1: think so. so yeah,
2: he could opt out after this year and pursue like a, a two hundred million dollar deal if he just. If he stays healthy and kills it. That would be a win for the Twins because he stayed healthy and had a great season. And then you still have your guys in the wings like Miranda. Right now, it does block him. I mean, is Archella really good enough to block Miranda? Uh,
1: I don't and, know. Archella's had some trouble staying on the field over the last couple right. of years as well, too. So, and and Sano so, is Sano. We know what Sano is. So, right. He's he's not. Sano's going to be in the lineup because they're
2: paying him. Um, Urshela, I'm I'm not too sure if he has to stick in that lineup. He do, he doesn't have to, and he so Sano has a club option for next season. He's average annual value of 10 mil. Urshela is the one that's more expendable in my opinion. Where, and here's my thing: where right. if you hit, I think you're going to find a way in the lineup. So Miranda could and he could be involved in this trade. They're rumored to be in it on Montas and Manaya. Um, Miranda could easily go to Oakland. That would be great. He's that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna play every day in Oakland, but he could still find his way into this lineup and be in a better ballpark and a better lineup, which could be the best case scenario. I, I just wonder would the Twins really have traded for Arshella to leave him sit on the bench? That's my only hesitation here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're gonna play Arshella. He's very uninspiring. Uh, he's been okay, uh, yeah. but I've I've been burned by Arshella so many times after that after that good year he had and. 2018 or 2019, I kind of bought in a little bit, and he's just done really nothing since then. He can't stay on the field either, but, yeah, Miranda, I still love Miranda. Like, Miranda is a the contact rates are above 80%, So above average to plus hitter, above average power. Like, I was thinking Ryan McMahon with a little bit more batting average upside is kind of what I see with Miranda. So, definitely a very good player. Just want to see him get a, get a spot here. But I love how you, you brought up the uh, the correct opt-outs because, my absolute nightmare, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably have seen me be very vocal about how I did not want the Red Sox to sign Correa to a long-term deal. But this nightmare that I have in the back of my mind that both Correa and Bogey have opt-outs after next year, if Bogey opts out, leaves, Correa opts out, comes to Boston on a long-term deal, I would be so upset. That's in the back of my mind here, but I don't know. That's a story for another day, but... <laughs> um but yeah, Miranda, You know, it, I don't know when we see him. I still think we see him early because he's probably the next one up. He can play three per spot. So Sano gets hurt or Shella stinks or gets hurt. I think he could step in in a couple different spots. So deeper league, still definitely target him. Uh, obviously 12-team mixed. I think he's off the radar now. But just keep an eye on it, the situations there. If anybody gets hurt, be ready to scoop him up on, on waiver wire. That's for sure. He's still a very, very good hitter one of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues that so this doesn't get the respect that he probably should. So definitely like Jose Miranda, a little bit, a couple more teams. Let's go over to the American league East here. We'll finish off with the red Sox and the blue Jays and not really anything big here, but with the, obviously with the story signing and they still have bogey at shortstop. And you got to think that they're going to try, at least try to get bogey locked up long-term. At least I hope they do. I really hope they do. But so, there's a lot. A lot of the top prospects for the Red Sox, or at least a few of them, are middle infielders. You got Nick York, played second base. You, know, you got Marcelo Mayer at shortstop. Jeter Downs is still there, can play both. So, where does that kind of put them? You know, and we both, you and I, got plenty of questions on Twitter. What does this mean for York? What does this mean for Mayer? First off, don't worry about it yet. York is may maybe second half 2023 debut, maybe. Maybe t- early 2024. He's at least a year and a half away, at least. And Mayor's further out. Mayor's another year after that. So don't worry about it yet. But you got to wonder does that mean maybe Jeter Downs gets shipped out? Because they got their guys now. They got their guys of the future. And those two that we just, that is talked about, do you think Jeter Downs on, is on the move? I think he Downs be. is a 100% the odd man out here. Yeah,
2: You don't have to worry about either the Yorker or Marcella Meyer, in my opinion. There's nothing to worry about there. York. I think he's a mid-2024 debut, which even more reason to not have any concern. Right, Myers 2025 at best, so they're a long way away. And so I'm not overly concerned. I do think that this shows how the club views Jeter Downs, which isn't necessarily a good thing. <laughs> so <laughs> he he definitely loses some value here. He could be out of town pretty soon. They could trade him for pitching, which wouldn't be a bad idea they've got a lot of pitching but a lot of injured pitching. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That is uh that's important too. But overall, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for everybody other than Jeter Downs. Poor Jeter Downs is just kind of out of luck.
1: Yeah, I would love, you know, I think we can I think we have the pieces to make a deal for a Montas or something like that. I would love to get Frankie Montas in here and then get Chris Sale back in a month or two. Come postseason, we get a three, a, a one, two, three of Sale, Evaldi, and Montas. That would be very, very solid here. Uh, so get on the phone. Get something like, all right, let's do a Jeter Downs, a Brayon Bayo, and a couple other pieces. I think they can get it done. We'll see. But, yeah, definitely Downs, odd man out for sure. Last little bit of news here. I threw, you know, with Kikuchi signing, and they, obviously they got Gaussman there as well. That one through five is set right now. Barring injury. That's their one through five of uh, you got so it's Gaussman, Manoa, Kikuchi, uh, Ryu, and Chris, who's the one I'm forgetting? Uh, oh, Barrios. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think of Barrios as a twin. This is how yeah. he's he's been he was there for so long. So those that's their one through five. It's set. So Pearson made his Dave Nate Pearson. Obviously, I've been a big Pearson guy. I'm still probably one of the higher ones. Around on Nate Pearson, he made his debut spring debut today. Looks pretty good. Uh, came in after Manoa. Manoa started, went two. Pearson came in two hit innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, four Ks. Was hitting upper nineties, so looked pretty good. But kind of a similar situation to like what I was saying about Gavin locks is maybe Toronto doesn't feel comfortable with Pearson as a starter long term. Maybe they think he's not able to handle the workload of a full thirty plus start season. So maybe he is more of a bullpen arm moving forward. I know we've talked about him before, but do you think that the writing set up on the wall for Pearson at this point, that they think of him more as a bullpen arm and they're not, just not comfortable with him as a starter. I think so.
2: And I am concerned because his Velo was pretty down from last year, actually today. And that outing, he was, his fastball was down 1.4 miles an hour from last year. His slider was down 2.7 miles an hour. Yeah. That's, That's not – I mean, that's concerning to me. Even though overall the outing was good, uh, I don't know. I just have a little bit of concern about him. I think that obviously you you don't get a guy like Kikuchi for three years if you're confident in Nate Pearson being the guy. So you've got all these guys around for the foreseeable future. I don't – when is reuse contract? Reuse a free agent in 2024, so you have him in for two more seasons. You've got Barrios for a couple more seasons. You signed Gaussman to, what, five years? Yeah. Manoa has five years of team control left in Kuczy for three years. That, that kind of speaks to, yeah, you know, a Brio. I mean, Bria's is around through 2029. I forgot about that. Uh, that yeah, contract. He's... There's no spot in the rotation Pearson's depth. And if an injury happens, then maybe he gets a chance, which is, it sucks, but it kind of is what it is.
1: Yeah. And like I said, he, I think he touched 97, 98 a few times, but yeah, overall it was down. He wasn't, he wasn't sitting as high as he usually does. I was hoping that, you know, when that Chapman deal was broke, like originally it was just, hey, Chapman's going to Toronto. We didn't know the return package right away. I was like, get Pearson to Oakland. I would have loved that. Obviously it did not happen. But, yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm still a Pearson guy, obviously. I still think there's a good chance he curves out some fantasy value. But maybe it's his, you know, I could see him being a closer long term, you know, and he could be a pretty damn good one working with that fastball slider mix primarily, which is, you know, at least plus on both offerings. So maybe that's the route, and he's just a, a closer long-term. So I don't think Jordan – I like Jordan Romano and all, but obviously we saw the Toronto closer carousel early last year. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, definitely not a good look for uh, Pearson right now. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be looking to totally sell him. Because he probably won't get a great return. But I guess he's going to hold and see what happens with him this year. He'll probably still get some innings. We'll see how he looks. But, yeah, definitely – a downgrade right now for him and someone that i'm not even looking at at all for 2022 i said, but maybe i can get him super late in the best ball or a draft and hold or something like that
2: yeah there's those kind of drafts you, you take a shot if the values if the value's there
1: yeah but that's about it unfortunately but that is going to wrap us up thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again in this episode we hope you enjoyed it you can follow us on twitter crystal that roto i'm at eric cross here to four and our show is at Fantrax tracks tool shed and check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.
0: Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be Next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit benext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world.